At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is our number two, the Greg Peterson Experience, right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bang Network. We've got a lot to run through in these final two hours of the show. When we wind up hitting midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern, so in an hour, going to be taking a look at everything that we've got in the NFL for the Sunday. Going to give you guys my side in total on both games, so we're going to have some fun there. In the meantime, though, even though it's not as expansive as the 137 games that we wound up seeing in college basketball on Saturday, we do have some very good action for Sunday, and one of those games that is very murky, what I wound up dishing out for the New York Post. We've gotten a little bit hot with these, so we're going to try to keep this thing going as we're going to be going with one of the more afternoon games. This is one that is going to be tipping off at 12.30 p.m. Pacific time, 3.30 p.m. Eastern. We've got Indiana, and they are going to be playing us to Michigan. This is 8.53-8.54 on the betting board. Got Indiana who's finding themselves a four-point favorite. Total on this game is 133.5. You saw this flickering between 3.5 and, and 4 at DraftKings. This has now went to pretty much a square four pretty much across the board. But when it comes to my pick, I'm going to be taking a look at Michigan with regards to the New York Post pick. I did wind up saying this line at three, so I'm going to be taking the points. I'm not going to be taking a look at the money line personally, but I do think that this is a good spot here for Michigan because you do have Hunter Dickinson back in the fold and Hunter Dickinson who wound up missing a couple games due to COVID-19 concerns. He makes all the difference for this bunch. You wind up seeing them be able to take down Maryland in very convincing fashion with them out there. A guy that's able to give you 16 and a half points, eight and a half rebounds per game. Now, as we know, he's going to be countered by another gentleman that gives his team eight and a half rebounds per game. He's been able to do a solid job of being able to pump in there right around 18 or so points per game of his own. That'd be Trace Jackson Davis. Jackson Davis, one of the better shot blockers in all of college basketball. But the big thing with Indiana is that this is a team that they don't necessarily do a great job of being able to just keep control of the ball. They wind up getting a little bit loose. They are a team that ranks right around 220th in the country when it comes to turnovers on a per possession basis. Michigan has been a team that they do wind up getting a little bit careless themselves, but I take a look at the pieces and I do think that they're going to be able to excel in this game. Caleb Houston has looked a little bit better. Star freshman who's been able to get the team nine and a half points, four and a half boards per game. Now he's been rocky with regards to his three point shootings, shooting sub 30% from three-point range, but he's been able to lock in a little bit more after he wound up having a brutal stretch to begin the season. You've also got a guy in Eli Brooks, who I do like, a very good senior leader for the team, who's been able to pump in there right around 12 points per game. He's been able to shoot from three-point range right in the neighborhood about 37%. And Devontae Jones has really been able to take hold of this offense as well. The transfer from Coastal Carolina, Sunbelt Player of the Year last year, has done a terrific job of being able to fill in sort of that 
Mike of being able to fill in that Mike Smith sort of role because last year Mike Smith, he wanted coming in from the Ivy League, was a prolific scorer and really did a good job of being able to facilitate offense. Now he has been able to, Javante Jones, be sort of that eight and a half points, four and a half rebounds, right around four assists per game, and actually a 46% three point shooter. So he has been absolutely superb for this team, and he did wind up getting off to a little bit of a slow start to begin the year, but he has now scored at least 12 points in five of the team's last six games, so he's really been able to pick it up with that regard. We have noticed that he has been able to do a good job of being able to cut down on the turnovers as well. Two turnovers or fewer in every single one of these last six games as well, shooting in that time span right around 49% from three on six and a half three-pointers per game. So he has been able to do a great job of being able to give this team a little bit of oomph. And then when it comes to this Indiana team, you do have Ray Thompson down the line. I think that that's going to be very big for this team. He's been able to give the team right around seven rebounds per game. And it's really been interesting to take a look at Indiana this year because this team at the beginning of the season, they were playing relatively up-tempo, but they weren't necessarily playing as efficiently. They've throttled down a little bit more recently. They have been dropping their possessions per game by about like three per contest recently. They're now right around 130th in college basketball with regards to possessions per game. Michigan, you're going to be finding them more around the 250, 260 range, depending on what we wind up seeing on Saturday and how that winds up shaking them out. But it's a Michigan team that they play relatively controlled. But last year, you saw them be incredibly efficient on offense. I do think that they're going to be able to get back to that. I think a big reason why is who I mentioned a little bit earlier in Devontae Jones taking a little bit more leadership of this offense. And Michigan is a team that they've got a little bit of depth as well. Musa Diabate has been able to do a nice job being able to give you six rebounds per game with Michigan. You got to figure that they are probably going to be without Brandon Johnson this game as well. He's really been missing since Christmas time. So that's going to be a little bit of a loss for the team, but I don't think that it necessarily affects them too much. And when it comes to Indiana, they're an okay three-point shooting team. Not great, not terrible. Parker Stewart, guy that's able to shoot over 45% from three, only gives the team seven and a half points per game though. And I would say that Xavier Johnson, in terms of his point guard abilities, not the best. He does give you 10 points and four assists to only right around two or so turnovers per game, but he's a little bit of too much of a heavy ball dominant guy. Doesn't necessarily pass the ball when he needs to as much as well. I do think Michigan is going to do a relatively solid job with regards to being able to retain the ball as well because you take a look at what they've done in conference. They're averaging 9.6 turnovers a game now. They don't necessarily force a lot of turnovers themselves, but they do a good job of being able to hold on to it. I think that they're going to be able to do a solid job on the glass and that'll allow them to re- remain alive in this game. I do think that you wind up getting some late game following as well. Indiana a little bit better at the free throw line than Michigan in terms of home slash road, but both of these teams shoot right in the neighborhood about 67, 68% at the free throw line, so no real advantage slash disadvantage there. I do think that Michigan is going to be able to hang in there, so New York Post play, I am going to be giving out Michigan with the points, not going money line, but I am going to be going with the points with Michigan right now, seeing them pretty much at a four across the board. And when it comes to this total, I set my total at a 137. I do think that both of these teams are going to be able to find a couple wide open looks when it comes to three-point shooting, and it's a big reason why I do like Michigan in this spot as well. They're allowing opponents to shoot just 29.4% from three-point range, one of the best marks that you're going to find among power conference teams. So taking a look at the over in this spot, and I do think that Michigan is going to be a hold in there. So taking a look at the points with the New York Post play of the day. When it comes to college basketball slate on Saturday or on Sunday, not necessarily as expansive, but you always find on Sunday that you are going to be having quite a few power conference teams in the mix. And how about if we take a look at this one? It's going to be going down in my home state of Wisconsin, 837-838. Got the Marquette Golden Eagles. They're going to be playing us as Xavier. We're seeing a mixture of anywhere between one and a half and two on this game with Xavier being the favorite. 
and your total is between 146 and 146 and a half. This is another rematch of what we wound up seeing earlier in the year. Xavier was able to get an 81 to 70 win, and I do think that Marquette is going to be able to tighten up, but I do see Xavier being able to pull off the win once again. Now, I do think that when it comes to this game, it's going to be really intriguing to see what you wind up getting out of some of the guys for Marquette that has been stepping up ever since that first game as well, because first time these two teams wound up playing, it was early December, and when it came to Marquette, they were still trying to mix and match a little bit, so I did wind up saying this line more around two and a half, and also in that game, I believe that Zach Fremantle had just come back from injury. He's now a little bit more fortified. Now he's a little bit back, but he hasn't necessarily been the main low post player for this team. That would be Jack Nunge, a transfer from Iowa, who's been absolutely terrific, giving the team 14.7 rebounds per game. So I like what he's able to bring to the table. And then you take a look at this Marquette team. They've been able to ramp it up a little bit with regards to their three-point shooting percentage. This is a bunch of ads collective. Now shooting about 34.5% from three-point range. This was a team that early on during the season, they weren't necessarily so great. But in Big East play, they've actually been number one with this aspect. In Big East play, they're shooting 39.7%. From the outside, so give them a lot of credit there. And when we want a pitting conference play, this team has been able to do a better job with their Havoc style of defense as they're forcing right around 14 turnovers per game. So that has been good. But for the X-Men, what I do like for this team is what you're able to get out of Kobe Jones as well. A guy that's able to give you 11.5 points right around eight rebounds per game. And then with Paul Scruggs, he hasn't necessarily been himself this year, but it feels like he's been doing a better job of rating it in with regards to turnovers. You do have a couple of guys that shoot it very well from three-point range, including Adam Kunkel, who's actually shot it better from the outside on the road than at home. His road three-point shooting percentage just below 40%. He's able to give the scene nine points per game. Very solid transfer out of Belmont. Nate Johnson overall this season is shooting 45% from three-point range. And then for Marquette, you do have a good sharpshooter in Greg Elliott. He's now shooting 52% from three-point range. It's absolutely insane. Among your top four scores for Marquette, three of these guys shoot at least 38.1% from three-point range, including Cameron Jones, who's been able to step up a little bit. Tyler Kolick has been able to do a nice job of being able to flow the offense, six and a half assists to right around 2.7 turnovers per game. Then you take a look at Daryl Morcel, one of the better on-ball defenders that you're going to be able to find in college basketball. He's been able to shoot from three-point range right around 39% pumping in their 13.5 points per game. He doesn't necessarily give you a lot of rebounding, and that's where I think the issue is going to come through for Marquette. When it comes to playing on the road in college basketball, one thing that typically travels is rebounding, and Xavier just has a lot of guys that are able to do a very solid job on the glass. Marquette, right now, they're getting out-rebounded by right around 3.7 boards per game. You take a look at them in conference, and they've been losing the rebound battle by more like six boards per game. So I think that that is going to be the ultimate undoing here for Marquette, which is why I did wind up making this line Xavier two and a half, which means I'm willing to lay the one and a half slash two, depending on where you're looking out here, because we're seeing a little bit of a mixture of both. But when it comes to Marquette, I do think that they're going to be able to do a solid job of being able to stay live in this game. I made my total 146 and a half. We're seeing anywhere between 146 and 146 and a half. If you're seeing it with hook, I'd rather take the over before I'd be willing to take the under. Obviously, you want to be trying to see this without the hook if at all possible, but I do think that this is going to be a relatively tight game. I do think that it could wind up coming down to late game following both of these teams. Shoot right in the neighborhood about 71 to 72% of the free throw line, so no real advantage slash disadvantage either way there, but I do think that Xavier has enough down low to be able to get the job done, so I'm going to be laying it here with Xavier, and I'm going to be taking a look at an over as well. Another game that's going to be a rematch from what we wound up seeing earlier in the season. How about if we wind up going to the Metro Atlantic with a Moneyline underdog that I like? The Stags of Fairfield hit the road. They're going to be facing off against Maris. Maris of Foxes are finding themselves a three and a half point favorite. Draw this game is anywhere to 129 and a half and 130. 
Maris was able to get the best of Fairfield earlier this season in a game in which neither team got to 65 points. And I do think that you're going to see a little bit more scoring in this game, but I do think that Fairfield is going to be able to control things down low. You got a guy, and I'm not even kidding on the name, by the name of Supreme Cook, who is right now the only guy on either side that's averaging more than six rebounds per game. He's been able to average 10 points, eight rebounds per game. I think that he's going to be a little bit of an X factor along with what you're able to see out of guys like Taj Benning along Pax and Wojcik and company. We're going to be diving into this a little bit more on the other side as we've got to get things cooking with regards to the college basketball betting board for Sunday. Going to give you guys as many picks as humanly possible within the next hour for Sunday as we continue on right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of the Greg Peterson Experience is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. Zen is working to create a world where you can enjoy life on your terms. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke free, spit free, and hassle free as a tobacco alternative to be able to be enjoyed wherever you go, anywhere or anytime. That way you don't miss a minute of the game or a tailgate party. It is available in 10 varieties like citrus, coffee, spearmint, list goes on and on. Zinn can be found at convenience stores nationwide, so that way you find the Zinn wherever you are. Zinn Sicketeen pouches are clean and distinct and discreet with no lingering smell. Plus, it is easier to use inside or out, making it the perfect complement to your everyday. Also, Zinn comes in two strengths, so that way you have control over the your nicotine satisfaction. Zinn contains nicotine and is only for adult nicotine users 21 or older. So to learn more, head over to Zinn.com, that is Z-Y-N.com, and you're able to find your local retailer from there. Warning, this is a product that contains nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Oops Peterson, and we're taking a look at the college basketball betting board, everything that we've got for this Sunday. And we left off talking about the Stags of Fairfield talk, taking on Maris. Maris, a three to three and a half point favorite with your total between 129 and a half and 130. And when it comes to what you're going to be able to get out of this Fairfield team, 
You've been betting on them a lot this year. It has actually been relatively solid for you. This has been one of your better cover teams in all of college basketball. I do think that Mr. Wright over there is doing a relatively solid job when it comes to Fairfield. And Fairfield has been one of the more efficient offenses out there. They've been able to do a relatively solid job on defense. You do take a look at this Fairfield team when it comes to against the spread record. One of the better teams that you're going to find out there in the Metro Atlantic as they have went a very rock solid 10 and 7 against the spread. Maris has actually been 10 and 6. So both of these teams have been able to make you a little bit of coin this year. But the big thing that I have caution with with regards to this Maris team is just them being able to dish out the ball. If you take a look at this Maris offense, it is complete and utter isolation. They average right around nine assists per game. As a matter of fact, if you take a look at assists per made field goal, something that I do from time to time, they are out of 358 D1 teams. 358th. So that tells you exactly that the team is a little bit disjointed. They're a little bit strange with that aspect. You don't necessarily have a lot of rebounding for this team. Matt Hermesy, only guy that's giving you more than five and a half rebounds per game now. Some Kelo Kele, who winds up coming in from Southern as able to shoot in the high 30s from three-point range, giving you 10 points per game. So he has been solved for this team. Ricardo Wright is able to give you 15 points per game. So you've got a couple good scores for this Maris team, but I do take a look at Fairfield, and you do have, much like Maris, a hole is greater than some of its parts approach, but Fairfield, they do a little bit of a better job of being able to pound the ball down low. They do a little bit of a better job on the glass as well with the men I was talking about a little bit before the break, Supreme Cook, giving you 10 points, eight rebounds per game. You're also able to look at guys like a Charles foot ten. He's able to do a good job of being able to clog things up down low, and it's what Fairfield doesn't do. They don't turn the ball over. Right around 11.3 turnovers per game, Maris, a relatively similar tempo team right around 13 turnovers game. So I do think that that's going to be a little bit of an issue as well. And then when it comes to what you're able to get out of just some of the ancillary pieces, like a Caleb Green, he does a good job of being a flow offense. Shoots 88.5% at the free line. This is a Fairfield team that you right around 71, 72% at the free line. But you take a look at the, a lot of their top scorers, and a lot of these guys have been rock solid. Among their top seven scores, you got five guys shooting at least 76% at the free line. I think that that is going to play into their advantage in this game. I'm taking a look at Fairfield being able to get the outright win in the spot. They've been able to do a relatively solid job on the road all season long. I think that Jay Young is going to be able to stymie a Maris team that was able to get the win the first time around. I think that things are going to be a little bit more up-tempo in this game. I do think that it's going to be coming down to late game felling. Set my total more around a 130, so... This is spot at the 129.5 that we're seeing in a lot of spots. We'll take a look at the over, even at 130. I'd rather have an over rather than an under, especially if you think that this is going to be a relatively tight game like myself because when you wind up having a game that is relatively close, minute left to go, oftentimes that leads to late game fouling. You wind up getting like 10 points in that final minute, and you never want to be on the wrong side of that. So take a look at Fairfield on the money line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. What else I'm going to be taking a look at? How about if we wind up going to the team with the worst coach in D1 college basketball? You guys know where I'm going. Memphis. They hit the road and they're facing off against Tulsa. Tulsa opened up a five and a half point underdog, buying them anywhere between five and five and a half. And your total on this game, anywhere between 142 and a half and 143 and a half. When it comes to this game, guess who I'm not betting on? Penny Hardaway. He has absolutely no idea, no idea what he's doing as a coach. This Memphis team is so undisciplined that it's not even funny. They are turning the ball over 17 and a half times per game. And for Penny Hardaway to have the nerve to just completely throw his roster under the bus 
act like nobody else in college basketball is dealing with having guys that are injured, having younger guys. And you know who winds up having a bunch of freshmen out there? The guy that wound up constructing the roster. He just has no idea what he's doing. Now, Frank Haith, this has not been his greatest coaching job himself. The good news is he's not Penny Hardaway. So you already have a little bit more confidence here in Tulsa. And when it comes to Tulsa, they actually wound up playing against Memphis a few weeks ago. Memphis wound up getting up in that game as by a count of 17 points and guess what they were like your buddy at the bar they couldn't close they wound up winning the game by three a game in which was a double digit line Tulsa was able to do a good job of being able to hang in there and when it comes to the Tulsa team they've actually been cooking when it comes to being able to get some points up on the board you've got a guy in Jariah Horn who's able to give you 19 and a half points per game he shoots in the high 30s from three point range it's a Tulsa team that does a good job of not turning the ball over as well right around 11 and a half turnovers per game and that's exactly what Memphis does do. They turn the ball over a whole heck of a lot with Tulsa. It's a bunch of which they shoot right around 34.5% from three-point range. But home to road, their three-point shooting percentage doesn't necessarily have a fall-off. So I do think that that's a little bit intriguing with this team. And you take a look at Memphis. I mean, they're a team that they shoot right around 35% from three. But also they've been dealing with an injury to DeAndre Williams. Top scorer has been out for quite a while. But he's been a little bit of a buster rooney for this team. Last two years, he was shooting right around 44 to 45% from three. This year, shooting more in the pocket of about 30, of about 27-ish percent from three-point range. So that's been a little bit of an issue when it comes to Memphis in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis. This is a team that, despite the fact that they are one of the better three-point shooting teams in all of college basketball, despite the fact that they actually do a good job of being able to get the ball down low, they are 142nd, which just tells you how much the turnovers have been taking a toll on this team. Now, you do take a look at the Salsa team, and they are a team that they leave a little bit of something to be desired as well, but... The big thing with Tulsa as well is that this has been a team that year in and year out under Penny Hardaway, typically they are a very good three-point shooting defense. That has not been the case for this team this season. They leave a lot of guys wide open with regards to their rotations. You can tell that guys just have no idea where they're supposed to be. And as a result, they are 190th in the country with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage. So that is going to allow Tulsa to be able to remain very live in this game. It's a big reason why Tulsa was able to do a solid job in the first game. I believe that they wound up going 8 of 22 from distance in that contest. When it comes to Imani Bates, he's been solid ever since coming off of injury. He's given the team double figures in all but one of the games since his return. A guy that's able to give you right around 10.5 points per game. And Jalen Duran has been solid down low. He's able to give you 10.5 points. He's able to haul in their 7 rebounds per game. A guy that also gives you nearly 2.5 to 3 blocks per game. So I do like what you're able to get there, but for Tulsa, I think that the big X factor for this team is going to be Sam Griffin. He winds up coming in from UT Arlington, and he's really been the number two scorer for this Tulsa team. That is a little bit top-heavy. When it comes to Tulsa, he's been able to do a solid job with 15.5 points per game. He's able to do all two assists. He's been shooting about 36% from three-point range, so got to give him a lot of credit there. And for Tulsa, what I think is going to be key, them being able to guard the three-point arc as well. They rank 343rd out of 340. Around a 358 D1 team, so that has been a little bit of an issue, but they have been a team that has been able to force their turn the other teams into turnovers. Opponents committing right around 16 and a half turnovers a game out of 358 D1 teams as 326th. And this is a Tulsa team that they don't necessarily pump up the tempo. You know who does pump up the tempo though? Memphis. In regards to sheer possessions per game, this team is one of the top ones at all of college basketball. They're clocking in right around 20th with regards to possessions per game. So I do think that you're going to be seeing a relatively up-tempo game. I think that you're going to be seeing more points on the board than what you want to be seeing in game one. 
First game was 67 to 64. I am personally looking more at a total of right around a 143 and a half. And exactly 143 and a half, I'd rather have an over rather than an under because if this game winds up being tight late, once again, like I was talking about in that Fairfield versus Maris game, you take a look at it and you've got to expect some late game fouling. So I'm going to be taking a look at it over in the spot. But if there was an average coach on the sidelines for Memphis, they should be able to win this game by double digits. Because Penny Hardaway is on the sidelines, I want to make in this line two and a half. So I'm going to be taking a look at the points here at Tulsa, and I'm going to be taking a look at the over as well, just a case of which a Ferrari is being driven right into a ditch with regards to the roster that we're seeing from Memphis. Very, very sad. Lots of talent, but not able to come to the forefront when you don't have anyone that's able to utilize it to the fullest of its abilities. How about if we take a look at a team that's a little bit better, Coach? And we're going to be talking about Arizona, a team that has had Tommy Lloyd do an absolutely amazing job for this team. 851-852. Arizona opens up a 12.5 point favorite. You're now seeing them anywhere between 13.5 and, and here at Circle, where I'm at right now, a 14.5 point favorite. Your talent scheme is anywhere between 137.5 and a 138.5. Absolutely love this Arizona team. They've been one of the best teams with regards to offensive and defensive efficiency. But on the other side, I'm going to tell you why. This is a game in which it's gotten up a little bit too lofty with the spread. So we're going to be looking at that on the other side right here on the Greg Peters Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN has a great new offer to make this your best betting year ever. Our all new Big Game Big Dance special provides VSIN plus all access to everything that we do now through April 5th for just $69. Sign up now to get our daily best bet emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming Big Game and College Hoops betting guides, plus full access to VSIN.com with our exclusive betting splits breakdowns on every single game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out on one of the best deals of the year. Visit VEASAN.com slash big deal to sign up today, and that's big deal altogether. No space in there, as we've got the Greg Peterson experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, and got to give a shout-out to everyone behind the scenes. We were unfortunately talking a little bit about that Green Bay Packers game, myself being from Wisconsin. Not so happy if you out there are a 49ers fan. I'm happy for you. So I will say that, but Brian Ortega, my most wonderful producer, he is someone that is a Green Bay Packers fan, much like myself. So we were both lamenting that. Kind of strange. I don't know how Brian wanted becoming a Green Bay Packers fan because he's wearing the Green Bay Packers shirt. He's wearing the hat and everything like that. He's waving to the camera. Absolutely tremendous. If I were right now wearing that, I'd be feeling very, very bad. Fortunately, I wound up leaving after the Green Bay Packers game, so we've got the nice red tie-on. We've got a blue shirt. I avoided everything green or yellow because, boy, it's got a long season. Fortunately, I do a lot of college basketball instead, but you've also got Mikhail. He does an absolutely terrific job setting me up on audio, and then Nick, our technical director. I'm pretty sure that he's the one that wanted putting up that shot of our wonderful producer, Brian, in his Green Bay Packers gear, so... There's a lot of people that were quite disappointed. Hopefully you're one of the people that were not disappointed by that game, but have no fear because when it comes to sports betting, you can't dwell on the losses. You just have to keep on pushing on in the final hour in about, I would say, a little bit under 30 minutes, midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. Going to be taking a look at both of these NFL games that we've got coming up for this Sunday. 
Beng or not the Bengals because they are going to be facing whoever winds up winning Bills versus Chiefs along with the Rams versus Buccaneers game. I'm going to give you guys a side and a total on both of them. We wound up going two and two on Saturday, but had the Bengals on the money line. So a very small profit there. Hopefully we can turn out a little bit more of a profit here on Sunday. But with that said, we were talking a little bit earlier about this Arizona versus Cal game. Mentioned it a little bit earlier. I mean, this Arizona team is absolutely magnificent. You take a look at them and they just pop off the charts in pretty much all aspects of it. You could say what you want about the Arizona defense, but I think that it's one of the best marks in all of college basketball. You take a look at this team and when it comes to defenses, you've got to be taking a look at them on a per possession basis because this is an Arizona bunch that if you just look at the raw numbers, it actually looks relatively solid, but I don't think it speaks to what it truly is. In terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, Arizona is right now second. The only team that is allowing fewer points on a per-possession basis right now is LSU. They might wind up getting leapfrogged by San Diego State because even though they lost, I mean, that game that we wound up seeing between San Diego State and Boise State, that was an all-time eyesore. Fortunately, I was on the money line in that game, but I was expecting a little bit more than both teams to not be able to reach 50. I mean, you hear this song, I can't go 55 Neither team could go 45, so I mean, that tells you right there that, boy, that was one that wound up taking college basketball back to the dark ages, but getting back to the Sarasota team, they've got all the goods to be able to be able to win a wide variety of ways. I think that they're going to be able to win this game in a little bit of a slower game because you do have a Cal team that they do like to be able to crank down the tempo. You've got an Arizona team that, with regards to possessions per game, they are sixth in all of college basketball. California, they're pretty much a polar opposite of them. California, 324th in the country. But when it comes to Cal, I do think that they have the goods to be able to hold in this game. Now, Joel Brown, a point guard of this team, is a game-time decision. I pretty much ruled him out. I do think that you are going to be seeing a little bit of a bleeding backcourt for Cal. But the reason why I think that they're going to be able to cover the lofty number here, anywhere between 13 and 14, depending on where you shop Heck, here at Circa, you've actually got a 14 and a half. The reason why I think that they're going to be able to hold in there is because this is a team that they've been able to get a lot out of a guy by the name of Grant NT7. He's a six foot eight combo player. That's been able to give the team 11.75 rebounds and he's been highly efficient. Makes 94% of his free throws, right around 35% of his threes. Good versatility. Now, you take a look at the flip side for Arizona. Christian Coloco, the man has got a loco down low. He's able to give you 3.3 blocks per game. He's able to give you seven boards per game. And you take a look at this Arizona team, and they just do a good job of team rebounding. Ben Matherin is able to give you 17.7 points, a little bit under seven rebounds per game. Shoots it well from three-point range. But Arizona is not necessarily a scorcher team from distance. Shoot about 34.5 to 35% from three, which is solid. It's not necessarily one of these teams that they just wind up getting on one of these burner runs, like, say, a Davidson, for instance, that's shooting over 40% from three-point range, though. But you do take a look at this Cal team, and what they do a good job of is being able to play games without a lot of fouling. This is a team that they're in the top 20 in all of college basketball with regards to few fewest fouls committed per game. They're a relatively veteran bunch, and what I think is going to be key for this Cal team, Andre 3000. Every guy with the first or last name Andre is known as Andre 3000 to be. Andre Kelly, he's been able to give you right around 14 points. He's able to give you eight and a half rebounds. He does a great job down low. He's shooting over 60% from the floor. I think that he is actually one of the better big men that Arizona is going to need to have to go up against this season. I do think that Arizona is going to be able to get this win. I do think that this is going to be a game that winds up coming down to a little bit of late game falling. I set this line at 10. Cal has been incredibly pesky all throughout the season. Even that non-cover that they wound up having against USC, it's just a case of what they wound up falling apart in the last five or so minutes of the game. They were actually in that game throughout. They were able to do a solid job of being able to get a cover against UCLA. 
I just don't think that Cal should be this big of an underdog. I think that Arizona gets the job done. I think that Arizona is going to have guys like Kirk Reese and company doing a good job out there in the backcourt. But I do think that Jordan Shepard, guy that's able to give this Cal team 14 points per game, he's going to be able to do a good job with regards to his volume scoring. I think that Cal is going to do a nice job of being able to take care of the ball, which will allow them to hang in this game. So I'm taking a look at it over in this spot, and I am willing to take the double digits here when it comes to the Cal Golden Bears. With regards to some of the more marquee games in college basketball, we've hit on quite a few of them, but we've got another game out there in the Pac-12 that might not be as marquee, but both of these teams are actually in the top five with regards to the Pac-12, including, looks down at notes, a 4-2 and two in conference Washington team. I never thought I'd be saying that, but you take a look at it, and you've got yourself the last game on the rotation with regards to the three-digit games, 857-858, Washington hitting the road face off against Oregon. Oregon is finding themselves an 11.5 point favorite. Toronto's game is 142.5. Now, when it comes to the Washington 4 and 2 uh, straight up start in conference, I think that it's a little bit smoke and mirrors because you take a look at the Washington schedule and I, you can only play the teams that are out there in front of you, but you take a look at who they want to play and they wound up getting just completely bludgeoned in that game against Arizona and the wins. They wound up coming on the road against Utah. That's actually a relatively solid win. Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and then I believe that they wound up taking down Oregon State again. So, I mean, it certainly is a case in which you don't necessarily have the world's greatest competition being played against them. And for Oregon, they're coming off of a road trip in which they wound up knocking off USC and UCLA. It is the story as old as the dawn of time. Oregon winds up getting off to a rough start of the year. We all discredit Oregon. We all say that this team is done for. And then the magnificent magician himself, Dana Oldman, throws pixie dust on his team. And all of a sudden, come the turn of the new year and come March, this team is just firing all cylinders. And we're seeing it once again. And Folly Dante has been able to do a great job for Oregon. He's able to give you 9.6 rebounds per game. A guy that was a legit top 50 recruit coming out of high school has been dealing with injuries. He's now back to full health. He's looking very good. Who's going to be the best player in this game, though? How about Terrell Brown and what he's been able to do for Washington? Washington is a team that they really pump up the tempo, and yet they only commit right around 11.5 turnovers per game. It's one of the most surprising things I think that I've seen because this is a Washington team that they're looking to play fast. They're looking to play with their hair on fires. They rank 34th of the country with regards to possessions per game. Now, you do want to notice that there is a little bit of a tempo change as well. With regards to possessions per game, Washington has been playing at about 6.5 fewer possessions per game in this last three-game stretch than they have for the rest of the season. So it seems to be a team that's throttling down a little bit more. Oregon, with regards to possessions per game, they are outside the top 250. So these are a pair of teams that have been playing a little bit slower recently. But you do take a look at this Washington team. Terrell Brown is able to give you 21 points. He's able to give you right around five rebounds, five assists per game. So he has been really good for this team. The big problem that Washington faces is that this team does not have a lot of three-point shooting. Terrell Brown, he himself... He doesn't take a lot of threes, and he doesn't make a lot of threes. He shoots up 30% from three-point range. The Michigan transfer, Cole Badgeball, wound up having a really good stretch a few games ago, of which he wound up having like 39 points in the span of two games. He has regressed a little bit ever since then. And Ben Matthews winds up coming in from West Virginia. He's a solid player. He's been able to give you 11.5 points per game. He shoots right around 31% from three. All in all, Washington, they rank in the bottom 75 with regards to three-point shooting percentage. They're a team that they shoot 68% of the free line. And for Oregon, one trepidation that you do have with this team is the fact that they do shoot right around 65.5% the free throw line. But when it comes to Oregon, you've got a guy by the name of Will Richardson who's able to pump it in there from three-point range. He is making right around 30, 
45.5% of his threes, 14 points per game. Jacob Young, Davion Harmon, the transfers that will come along for the ride. Both of these guys combined to be able to give you 21.5 points per game. If you're able to get a little bit more out of Eric Williams, who's been a little bit banged up, I think that Washington should be, or Washington will be in for a little bit of tough go of it. Set this all at 144.5. Got an up tempo Washington team, but with Oregon, I feel like they figured it out. I'm willing to lay up to 12.5 here with them, so willing to lay the 11.5. Coming up next, going to be taking a little bit more of a look at this college basketball betting board that we've got for Sunday. We've got a couple unearthed gems that we've got to be hitting. That's up next right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you missed any part of our show today or anything else on the VSIN schedule, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows or download them and listen on your schedule. Go to vsin.com slash podcast to get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Ghost to Ghost Hoops with myself, Greg Peterson. New episode being uploaded in 15 minutes and many, many more. They are all free and they're available now at vsin.com slash podcast or every your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, list goes on and on as it is a Greg Peterson experience right here on the Sports Betting Network, v And we're taking a look at the college basketball betting board this segment, trying to honor some value once we wind up hitting midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. So in about 15 minutes or so, going to be taking a look at both of the NFL games that we've got on this Sunday, trying to honor some value. I've got a side in total on both of those. Don't really have a bunch of player props. I'm always a believer in don't wind up straying away from what makes you successful slash unsuccessful as a better. Now, if you're someone that you typically don't do a lot of player props, but you see something that you really, really like, don't be afraid to dive in on it. But if you see a bunch of player props that you're sort of maybe lukewarm on, maybe you're just taking a look at them and you don't necessarily have a ton of a feel, don't feel like you need to force up action. We've got plenty of college basketball. There's the NHL going on. You got the NBA Knock on whatever this is. In a few months, hopefully we'll have Major League Baseball. There's plenty of opportunities. Don't feel like you need to just fire something up for the sake of firing something up. So that's always my two cents on that. But if you see something you like, always wind up taking that. And always don't bet more than you're able to lose. I know that that sounds very, very simple, but it is something that 
always needs to be repeated. With that said, how about if we take a look at the best cover team in all of college basketball? And they're going to be taking the hardwood on Sunday, and they're going to be facing off with a team that is in the top three with regards to overrate. So you've got two very demonstrative trends here in the Metro Atlantic, 833-834. Your top five over team, Manhattan, is going to be in the road face off against your best cover team in all of college basketball, the Hawks of Monmouth. Monmouth buying themselves a relatively sizable favorite. Open up a 10-point spread. You're seeing at DraftKings at 10. I'm seeing here at DraftKings as low as an 8, or I'm seeing as low at Circa as an 8.5. So this is all over the place at this point. Your tallest game is anywhere between 143.5 and 144. And I wound up saying my line at 10.5. So even at the 10, I'd be willing to lay it. Obviously, shop around for the best number. Like I said, right now at Circa, I'm right now seeing an 8.5, seeing a lot of 9s out there as well. But I'd be willing to lay a 10 even in this spot with Monmouth. Monmouth, 14-3 and three against the spread. Now, coming out of the COVID pause, they were not necessarily looking the best. You may recall last week against Maris, they wound up losing a game literally by 40 points. But what I always want to try to relay to people is the fact that even though the point differential, if you look over the course of five games, might not necessarily be the sexiest, if Monmouth winds up losing that game by 40 points, they're, let's just throw out their hypothetical they're laying three points the next five games. They wind up being able to win all those games by four, even though they wind up getting outscored in that stretch by a count of 20 points because they wound up covering five spreads and they didn't cover one. They went five and one against the spread. So I do think that that's always important to take a look at. You do wind up having outlier results. And Monmouth, even though they didn't win the game a couple days ago against Iona, they were able to hang in there. They were able to force overtime against who I think is one of the best mid-majors in all of college basketball in Iona. Slick Rick has himself a very good team with the Gales, and the dude knows how to coach. He might not know what he's doing outside of coaching. He's made some bad decisions there, but he makes good decisions out there on the court, and as sports bettors, we don't care what he does out of the, off the court. We care what he's able to do on the court, and he's been able to make a lot of people a lot of money this year, so that is very important to take a look at, but you do take a look at the Bombeth Hawks, and it's a team that they do a very good job of being efficient on offense. You take a look at Trafar Reynolds, coupled with George Pappas. They're able to combine to be able to give you about 31 points per game. Both of these guys relatively solid three-point shooters. And what I really like about this Monmouth team, when it comes to late in the game, and this is important when you're laying numbers, obviously it's a little bit bigger when you wind up having more like a five to six-point spread. But I do think that it's important, even in a spread of more like nine to ten points, in case if you wind up getting some wonky late-game fouling, Hitting your free throws. And Monmouth shoots over 80% as a collective at the free throw line. One of the best teams at all of college basketball there. And then you've got the brother of Wes Miller, Walker Miller. He's coming from, from North Carolina. Guy that's able to give you 14 points, six boards. A guy that from three-point range is able to shoot right around 33% from three. He's been able to do a solid job as well. When it comes to Monmouth, this is a team that they do allow teams to be able to weasel their way to the free throw line. And for Manhattan, the reason why they've been playing a lot of overs is that this is a team that they've been finding themselves in a lot of close games and with Manhattan. In years past, this has been one of the worst free-throw shooting teams at all of college basketball. There's been a new infusion of talent via the transfer portal and Manhattan. They're shooting this year more around 73% free-throw line, so they've been able to do a nice job there. When it comes to Manhattan, you've got a guy, Jose Perez, who's been able to do an absolutely terrific job. He winds up coming in from Marquette before that. He was one of the star players for Gardner-Webb when they wanted to make in the NCAA tournament a few years ago. And he's been able to do it all for this team. 17 and a half points, right around three and a half rebounds, five assists per game. You now have Ant Nelson back in the fold down. This is both a positive and a negative for Manhattan because with Ant Nelson, he is the guy that 
he is able to shoot very well from three. 45.5% from distance. He does give you right around two assists, 1.7 steals per game. He also turns the ball over three and a half times per game, and he is one of the worst players at being able to hold on to the ball. So you got your positives and your negatives, and you do have a Manhattan team that they're relatively deep with regards to rebounding. Someone like a Sam Adiello, he winds up coming in from UMass. He's been able to get the team right around seven points, five rebounds per game. Elijah Buchanan is able to chip in there five boards per game. Josh Roberts, the transfer from St. John's, he's been able to give you right around five and a half boards and nine points per game as well. But where Monmouth, I think, is going to have this team beat is for one. You've got another guy that's really good as a designated rebounder. His name is Nikhil Rudy. He's been able to give you right around 6.3 rebounds per game, but Marcus McClary has been able to do a nice job out there in the backcourt for this team as well. Right around 9.5 points, 4.5 boards per game. A guy that has been able to shoot about 37.5% from distance. Depth is not necessarily the forte of Monmouth, but the sheer front end talent of this team, I think, is really going to be able to come out in this game. You've got a Monmouth team that they do a good job of being able to do a solid job of being able to sure up on the glass as well. And when it comes to this Monmouth team, not necessarily a team that really does a good job of being able to force a lot of turnovers. They just do a good job with their on-ball defending, and I think that they're going to be able to do so once again in this spot. Monmouth has been making you money all season long. I don't want to go against them in this spot. Going to be setting them as more around a 10.5 point favorite. So, won't delay the 10 that we're seeing at DraftKings. I would say shop around right now if you're looking to bet it right now or wait until the a.m. because number is probably going to move for right now seeing a lot of nines, even an 8.5 on the board as well. I did wind up making my total 144.5 as well, so we're going to be taking a look at the over. How about if we wind up going with a rematch of a game that we wound up seeing a couple of days ago? Only the venue has been flipped. 845-846. The UMass Minutemen hope to be able to last in this game for more than a hot minute as they're going to be going on the road. They're facing off against St. Louis. St. Louis, a nine-point favorite. Tallest game is anywhere team 152 and 153 and a half. When it comes to St. Louis, this team has been absolutely superb at something that they wanted doing badly a few years ago. Much like Manhattan, a much better free-throw shooting team with St. Louis. But St. Louis, they are out for blood in this game after they wound up playing against this very UMass team a couple days ago. And they wound up losing as a road favorite. So... We've got that little bit of a narrative there, and I just feel like bookmakers in general have been dogging this UMass team a little bit more than they should. Is UMass going to be able to go out there and win the Atlantic 10? No, but you take a look at a guy like Noah Fernandez. They will give you right around 16 and a half points, five assists, solid three-point shooter. Both of the Kelly, CJ and Rich Kelly, Rich Kelly, both of these guys shoot over 40% from three-point range. They both give you double figures. Last time these two teams wound up playing, by the way, you have to go back to the 20th of January. That was a 91-85 to game. I certainly think that things are going to be throttled down a little bit more after Noah Fernandez, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, had 24 points for St. Louis. Yuri Covington, he gives you both the best and worst of both worlds. He's a guy that pumps in there right around 10 and a half points per game, shoots in the mid-30s from three-point range, is one of the top players with regards to assists per game in college basketball, 7.9 assists, averages nearly two steals per game. He also turns the ball over darn near four times per game as well, so that is going to be a little bit of an issue. St. Louis is going to have an advantage down low. You got Terrence Hardgrave Jr. along Francis Okoro being able to combine for 12 rebounds per game. For UMass, Trent Butrick. Yes, that is an actual name. He's able to give the team five and a half rebounds per game. He's right now leading the way with UMass. He's able to be a little bit of a versatile six foot eight, six foot nine player. But when it comes to UMass, I do think that they're going to be able to shore things up a little bit more with regards to their rebounding. And with UMass, this is a team that has a collective. They're shooting over 40% from three-point range. I don't think that they're going to be like shooting 30% from three at the end of the year, but I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression here for St. Louis. This has been a relatively solid team on both sides of the ball, both offense and defense. They have been playing a couple more 
lower scoring games because they have been able to do a good job with their on-ball defending. So I do think that that is important to note. And you take a look at this UMass team, really ever since they got their full complement of pieces back, this has been a solid against the spread team as well. So I do think that you've got a pair of teams that are relatively solid in this spot. I do think that things are going to be throttled down a little bit more from game one. I think that we're going to see regression from both of these teams just shooting the lights out. I wound up setting the total at 148 as a result. I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I'm with St. Louis. I do think that they're going to get their revenge. I don't think that they get the full amount of revenge to be able to recover this game. To be able to cover this game. Set this line at 8. So, taking a look at the points and the under. Coming up in the final hour of the Greg Peterson experience. Looking at everything that we've got on the NFL betting board for this Sunday. Two games that are going to be coming up. Going to give you guys my side and total for both. On the other side, right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Beeson, Esports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare <laughs>